0: What up, what up? Welcome to the There's More Podcast. This is Hannah Nitz, and I'm pumped that you're here today. So uh, today's conversation is with my girl, Laura Veal. And I'm so excited for her to be back. She did the episode that you loved called the coronavirus pep talk we all need. Uh, And I'm excited for you to hear more of her story more of what she's passionate about, and uh, just her experience of getting to know God. It really jazzed me up because Laura uh, had a similar aha moment that I did of, oh, dang, there's more. But it happened to her about three years before me. And the reason that gets me so excited is because this is for you, listener. This is for all of us. It's not just me. Like, God keeps bringing me more men and women who come to me and say, man, me too. Like I've had this experience too of getting to know this moreness, this enjoy amazingness of this deeper relationship with the interactive God of the universe. So it just gets me excited to have other people on who can say that they've experienced this too because sweet listener, this is what I'm inviting you to or encouraging you in if you're already experiencing it. So, this talk you're going to hear today is from the 2020 Akron Women on Purpose Conference. So, four years ago, Noelle Beck started Akron on Purpose uh, and the annual women's conference, Akron Women on Purpose, essentially as this gathering of women. Uh, it's not an official, you know, nonprofit or like a well organized thing with paid staff. <laughs> It's literally Noelle and then I help with some things behind the scenes. Um, Bringing all these women together for a one-day event where we have worship and encouragement and everyday women in Akron are up on stage speaking and telling their stories of being obedient to where God has them, of God walking with them in their life and encouraging women to know God and to walk with Him. It is sweet because it's not these like professional speakers who have a lot of Instagram followers. It's just everyday people. And this year, Laura Veal was one of those everyday people. And guys, her talk, literally, this sounds dramatic. I apologize, buckle up. Her talk, if I could choose one 25-minute talk, sermon, podcast, whatever, for every Christian on the planet to listen to, this would be it. Seriously, like men, women, young, old, if you believe in Jesus, like, I feel like this is the most important talk I've heard. Again, sorry, it's very dramatic. (laughs) I hope you agree. But um, man, I just love Laura's story of being a Christian her entire life, of growing up in the church, things you've heard me talk about as well, and this powerful way that God met her and invited her into something different something more and her just describing what that looked like and what that looks like in her life now. So as you're listening, will you be bold enough to ask God, God, will you help me experience what Laura is talking about with knowing you? And again, like men, women, young, old, any of y'all to ask that question. It is literally like the definition of of experiencing there is more so so excited for you to hear from laura uh i just pulled the audio from her talk this year while she was up on stage it's her first time ever teaching ever sharing anything and she did it on stage in front of these 800 women from the conference uh so so excited you can listen to it so take it away my girl laura veal
1: Okay, this feels a little bit crazy to me, uh, uh, but also not crazy at all, because uh, I'm gonna tell you a quick story. Uh, I was gonna skip it because of time, but as leading up to the event, God was like, nope, you gotta tell him. So, real quick. um, Several weeks back, I was feeling this ache for a while. I'd been kind of brewing for a few weeks, and uh, so I decided to put it to paper. I started journaling. And the lines from my journal read, there is an ache in my soul that longs to be speaking to a room full of people about God. I want to get others excited to chase after him. But Lord, if this is not your will, then will you please redirect this ache? Put my journal down, started potty training my (laughs) two-year-old. 45 minutes later, I get a text from an unknown number, it's Noelle Beck, asking if I will speak here at Akron Women on Purpose. Well, all right then, I hear you loud and clear. Ladies, he's amazing. And I I laugh because he didn't even let an hour go by before he responded because he knew I would be so fickle and be like, was that that you or was that me? Is it coincidence? No, he's amazing. So clearly that egg was for a purpose, clearly he has something that he wants to say through me and um, I'm a little overwhelmed by that because this, this is not my norm, Um, I am simply a wife of 12 years to my handsome hubby, I see you, Um, I'm a mom to three little ones, I work part-time, and really, all that that highlights is that I'm about to pee my pants uh, because I am not a public speaker, and also because I've had three children, and we know how that goes, right? Yeah. So with that, ladies, I've got a lot to share. I don't have a lot of time to say it, so we're going to jump right to it. Those of you who are familiar with me, uh, you might actually be expecting a story surrounding 2015. See, 2015 was a horrible year. Uh, My husband almost died on Easter morning when he unexpectedly went into cardiac arrest. His heart stopped. Then in July of that same year, our first child was born and she was colicky and I struggled with postpartum depression. But the story gets better. Then, when our daughter was eight weeks old, my husband went into cardiac arrest again. So over the course of the next 36 hours, his heart had stopped five times. With the newborn to worry about, we were living at the Cleveland Clinic. He had to have multiple surgeries. And when we finally got released, as if all of that wasn't enough, uh, we went home and my, my husband suffered with PTSD, anxiety, depression. Remember, I'm going through my own postpartum depression. But for him, you know, almost dying five times was kind of traumatic. So there was a very long, lingering effect. There's so much more to that story, but um, that's actually not the story that I'm here to tell. Honestly, it's the story I was planning on telling until Thursday, when God was like, "No, we're going to start this over." So I'm a little tired right now because we've been God and I have been chatting a lot the last couple of days. <clears throat> But the story that he wants me to tell begins way back when I was a kid. I asked Jesus into my heart when I was four. I grew up in a Christian home. I was a good kid. My faith was my moral compass. I went to a Christian college. As an adult, I've been involved at my church, life group, worship team, Bible studies. My bookshelves are full of Christian authors. I've always prayed, read my Bible. And my story begins with that, because I suspect that over half of you in this room have a similar story. It sounds familiar. A good Christian doing good Christian things your entire life, right? So here, the, the reality about the events of 2015, they are important to mention only for one reason, because they brought me to a place where confused and angry I was just desperate for God. So fast forward a bit, and one evening, I find myself crying. I'm praying I'm begging God to be near. And out of nowhere, there he is. This powerful statement that hurls itself in the midst of all my swirling thoughts, it was clear as day. You cannot trust me because you do not know me. I'm literally like a hot mess on my knees in the shower and I just freeze. You cannot trust me because you do not know me. What do you mean I don't know you? Ladies, remember, I've been a Christian my entire life. I believe in the gospel. I pray. I go to church. What do you mean I don't know you? You cannot trust me because you do not know me. Instead, Laura, You know what your pastor says you know what your parents say you know what that author says that speaker says your friends say that app says that devotional says but you have not discovered what i say about me he was on to something because the truth is 20 something years ago i'd accepted a hand-me-down version of god we all do our initial understanding comes from someone else's understanding and praise God for that. So for me my version was based off of what my parents had told me as a child and I was excited to have a Savior. I was pumped about going to heaven and as I got older I continued to build on that version with more hand-me- downs from my pastor, uh, favorite authors, friends. But in the end when it came to knowing God pretty much all I had was someone else's view of him. And the problem with being stuck on this hand-me-down version my whole life is that it was just so incomplete. It boxed in my view of God, and without realizing it, I'd settled into a low view of God. A view that while, while he saved me from my sins, somehow he wasn't big enough to be involved much beyond that. Living as if day in and day out, it was up to me to deliver the life I wanted. I was determined to create my own happiness. I was determined to build my own success. I was convinced that my type A knack of perfection and control would be enough to sustain that. And sure, I would call on God throughout the week. Again, I'd pray to him, I'd have my quiet time. But honestly, calling on God was more of an effort to cover all my bases between me and you. Somebody can get this done, right? And maybe that worked for a while, although I'm convinced that I was delusional. Uh, regardless, once life got messier, suddenly I just felt it so heavily. I couldn't handle all the things. Some days I felt like I couldn't handle any of the things. Amen? Amen. Suddenly, me trying to play God wasn't working. Hear me. This low view of God had forced a high view of myself that I could not sustain. All right, so jump with me now to 1 Kings. Well, actually you don't have to like jump with me because that just felt cool to say. Okay, unfortunately, (laughs) because of time, I have to give an annoyingly quick backstory, okay? The nation of Israel doesn't trust God alone. Sounds familiar. Okay, so they've fallen into dependence and worship of other gods, and God's not okay with that, so he sends his prophet Elijah to confront the king of Israel and to confront the entire nation. Specifically, Elijah is confronting the worship of Baal. Baal was the god of fertility and storm, and so they're worshiping Baal just in case God can't provide the fertile crops and the land that they need. So now what I want to talk about begins with the whole nation of Israel has been rounded up uh, for this awesome showdown between God and Baal. Which, spoiler alert, God wins. And if you don't know this story, you've got to read it for yourself because it's epic. It's 1 Kings 17 and 18. But in 1 Kings 18 verse 21, Elijah looks around at the entire nation of Israel and he says, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. Boom. I want to drop the mic, but I don't want to pay for it. Are you seeing where I'm going with this? God was speaking to me. How long will you waver between two opinions, Laura. There can only be one God over your life. And if he, or, and he cannot be trusted with this, but not trusted with that. So if anyone else, if you are going to be God, have at it. But if the Lord is God, follow him. No more wavering. It can't be both. Decide. So then it goes on to say, <clears throat> I love this, verse 29 of the NIV. Midday passed, and they, which they is the 450 Baal, uh, Baal prophets who just wasted the entire morning begging Baal to deliver on something that he could not actually do. Starting again. Midday passed, and they continued their frantic, prophesying but there was no response no one answered no one paid attention I mean come on the word frantic stops me in my tracks every time does it not feel like we are frantic Yes. not knowing that God is enough we are frantically relying on something else ourselves to deliver we are frantic over our relationships. We are frantic over our comforts. We are frantic over our schedules. We are frantic over our health. We are frantic over our kids. We are frantic over our bodies. We are frantic over our finances. We are frantic over our careers. We are frantic over our conveniences. We are frantic over our Pinterest worthy homes. We are frantic over our Instagram worthy days. We are frantic over our blog worthy motherhoods. We are frantic over our lives as if. We have ultimate control, but FYI, I needed to know this, if the Lord is God then the control is His. Yes. Yes. We've got it all laid out and our frantic ways amount to nothing. No response, no one answered, no one paid attention. In the end, in the midst of all of my striving and doing and perfecting and controlling, All I had was an exhausted, defeated, weary version of myself trying frantically to sustain a bunch of my own little kingdoms. And I know some of you know what I'm talking about. Can we just agree? It's not working. Hear me again. A low view of God puts a burden on ourselves that we were never meant to carry. But we cannot trust him if we do not know him John 17 3 now this is Jesus praying in the garden of Gethsemane and he says now this is eternal life that they know you the one true God and the Christ whom you have sent I'm gonna say it again now this is eternal life that they know you Friends, knowing God is not about head knowledge. That's not what I'm talking about, and and that's not what he's inviting you to. Knowing God is an invitation to life. Eternal life. And yes, eternal life awaits us in heaven. Amen to that. But it means something else for us now. And I am so passionate about this. Mm. Nerd out with me for a second. That verse, John 17, 3, was originally written in the Greek 2,000 years ago. And the word life that is used is the greek word zoe you may have heard it before um but friends don't miss it again zoe means something amazing it means fullness of life it's talking about this vitality this abundance this vigorous life consumed by god not this frantic life consumed in ourselves while waiting for heaven The best news in the world is that we can be saved from our sins and be in Him be with him in heaven. But the second best news is that we can be saved from ourselves and be with Him now. Yeah. 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 I am so passionate about everything that I'm saying because knowing God is day in and day out, crushing my frantic formal life where I was wrapped up in perfection and control of my own petty kingdoms and missing out on the joy and the freedom and the abundance of eternal life. Zoe, life with him. It is not hypothetical. It is a real thing. Do you want it? So the question still remains, how being a good Christian my entire life No stranger to the Bible. How did I not know God? What was I missing? What was getting in the way? Consider this with me. If we pick up our Bibles, what are we anticipating? I don't know about you, but for years I would open his word with questions like God, how do I submit this anxiety? How do I deal with this loneliness? God, how do I have patience with my kids? Give me a verse. Who am I kidding? Just give me a word, please, something. What do you say about money? How do I be a good wife? God, what is my identity in you? And these questions are good questions, but hear me. If these questions are the main reason that we pick up our Bible, then we are missing the point. I was missing the point. Somehow, my pursuit of God had turned into a pursuit of myself. The Bible was my guidebook to life, or my source of encouragement and strength. And over and over, I'd open its pages in hopes that I'd find the perfect verse to speak to me, the perfect story to direct me. And sure, this psalm brought me peace, and that story was uplifting. But as soon as I stepped into the rest of the day, I felt like I had nothing firm to stand on. So then, I'd open my Bible app, and I'd type in the topic, and then I'd scour the list of verses, trying to find a verse that would give me another hit of encouragement. And day in and day out, my interaction with the Bible started looking a lot like an ATM machine, going to it for one deposit after the next of wisdom, encouragement, confidence, guidance, peace, all of it about me. But here it is. This is the paradigm shift that I had to encounter. And I think it's a shift that most of us need to encounter. The Bible isn't about us. The Bible isn't about me. The Bible isn't about you. No, no, no. From beginning to end, the Bible is first and foremost about God. He gave it to us so that we could know him deeply, intimately, transformingly. But similar to me, I think so many of us are totally missing the point because like everything else in our lives, we've made the Bible about us. So story after story, we say, God, what does this say about me? When the most life-giving question would be, God, what does this say about you? So friends, my story is about being a Christian my entire life and missing it. With or without the crazy circumstances of 2015, I was still missing it. I was missing out on knowing God. A good Christian doing her good Christian thing, completely unaware that there was more. I am so thankful that God used that hard season to wake me up to this reality. That I was stuck on a low view of God with this high view and expectation for myself. And he made it so clear. Laura, no amount of perfection or control or doing will give you Zoe life. All of that is just wrecking you. It's just robbing you. I needed... Way less of me and way more of him. So my first step, I had to get in his word. Not a daily devotional, not a Christian book, not a popular podcast, but in his Bible and with a new lens, asking God to show me what it says about him. Because I can obsess over my identity until I'm blue in the face, but I will walk away unchanged if I do not know who he is. So against the distractions and the frantic pace surrounding my kingdoms, I had to make room to go deeper than I'd ever gone in his word. And the beautiful thing is, we can have as much of God as we want. Like I have just dipped my toes in. There is no end to this pursuit. And rather than being intimidated by that, I hope you feel excited about the truth that he is boundless. He's endless. He's so big and yet so available to us. The more we want, the more he has for us. And my fear is that we could go our whole lives and never realize the magnitude of this. But here's the thing, a caveat I feel like I can't skip over. In order to grow in our knowledge of God, we have gotta let go of some things. For me, I had to let go of my need for instant gratification. I had to let go of my expectation of emotional satisfaction every time I picked up the Bible. I had to let go of my hope of a neatly wrapped takeaway. Instead, I had to embrace the long game, the joy of this being a lifelong, unending pursuit of him. And I had to trust the cumulative effect of studying his word, that it would build and build and build on itself, because knowing God doesn't happen overnight. It's a hard-fought, diligent commitment but there's no greater pursuit. So what is it about him that changed me? In my pursuit of God, what did he reveal? I wish I had another hour, but I don't. Don't worry. If I had to sum it up in a word, it would be his glory. I don't exactly have a definition for his glory. It's not defined in the Bible. But my simplest attempt would be that it's how God shows off to his creation just how big he is. It encompasses all of his attributes, his sovereignty, his holiness, his mercy, his wrath, his perfection, his power, his righteousness, his control, his authority, his love. All of this displayed is his glory. Isaiah three seven tells us that we were created for his glory. His glory is a big deal. And see, reading some verses, reading a few stories, you can't grasp the weight of his glory. His glory is splashed across every single page of the Bible and it's magnified as one promise or one story connects to another and to another and suddenly every story is telling the same big story about the same big God. The same magnificent and glorious God. Friends, when I downloaded God's glory, suddenly my low view of him was blown out of the water. Suddenly, all my petty kingdoms paled in comparison to his kingdom. Suddenly, my grasp for perfection and control seemed foolish in light of his sovereignty. Suddenly, the idea of living for his glory seemed far better than living for mine. Suddenly, my priorities shifted, my desires realigned. And hear me, not perfectly, Because this side of heaven, my flesh still has its way sometimes. But, guys, all my frantic doing slows as I rest in how big he is. I find joy and I find freedom in who God is. And I don't want you to miss it. You cannot trust me because you do not know me. Ladies, do you know God? Despite a lifetime of faith, do you know him? Are you resting in? Are you delighting in all that he is because he's so delightful? Or like I was, are you still missing it? That Zoe life, abundant and full of our glorious God. Will you reflect on your view of him today? Will you reflect on your view of yourself? Are you tired of playing God? Join me. Move past the hand-me-down. Get in his word and be blown away by who he says he is. He promises. It changes everything. Thanks,
0: guys. Whew. Man, that episode and that conversation and that truth from Laura just gets me emotional. I just, um, I feel the weight. what she's saying and the excitement and the invitation like I just I I just want to talk about this to everyone I know and sometimes that's the hard part of life like we have to make small talk with people (laughs) but at the end of the day I'm like listen I just want to talk about knowing God because there's nothing better nothing more important oh it's just the best To wrap up today, I want to read um, a poem that my cousin Bethany actually wrote. She wrote this after listening to Laura's talk and wanted to summarize this podcast episode. Uh, So, Bethany McDougall, thanks for your beautiful words. I'm just going to read through this to take us out. Uh, If you have any comments for myself, for Laura, uh, for Bethany even, you can head to hannahknits.com, click on Say Hello and we'd love to hear from you there. This poem is called Glory. Balancing perfection. Perfect mother, perfect spouse, perfect Christian. I look in the mirror and I see strength. Certainly the Lord is behind me and certainly that is the reason for my blessings. But when my cries are louder than my babies, when my supportive husband needs my support and my faith is as strong as his failing heart, He leans on me and I on him, and together we drown. I look in the mirror and I see frayed pieces of a perfectionist. I wouldn't dare close my eyes, cross my arms, and fall backwards. Certainly the Lord is not there. My shaky hands, connected to a frantic soul, declare, we can't mend this. On my knees in the debris of my kingdoms, I look up and he introduced himself. He extends his hand. I give him my burdens. I look down at pure scripture where he reveals himself. My white knuckled hands slowly learn to let go. I look in the mirror now and I see his glory. Surely I walk behind the Lord. He guides me and that is the reason for my peace.